chapter eleven of struggles and triumphs or forty years recollections of p t barnum written by himself this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. struggles and triumphs of p t barnum chapter eleven general tom thumb in england immediately after our arrival in london the general came out at princess's theatre and made so decided a hit that it was difficult to decide who was best pleased the spectators the manager or myself the spectators were delighted because they could not well help it the manager was satisfied because he had coined money by the engagement and i was greatly pleased because i now had a visible guarantee of success in london i was offered far higher terms for a re-engagement but my purpose had already been answered the news was spread everywhere that general tom thumb an unparalleled curiosity was in the city and it only remained for me to bring him before the public on my own account and in my own time and way i took a furnished mansion in grafton street bond street west end in the very centre of the most fashionable locality the house had been previously occupied for several years by lord talbot and lord brougham and half a dozen families of the aristocracy and many of the gentry were my neighbours from this magnificent mansion i sent letters of invitation to the editors and several of the nobility to visit the general most of them called and were highly gratified the word of approval was indeed so passed around in high circles that uninvited parties drove to my door in crested carriages and were not admitted this procedure though in some measure a stroke of policy was neither singular nor hazardous under the circumstances i had not yet announced a public exhibition and as a private american gentleman it became me to maintain the dignity of my position i therefore instructed my liveried servant to deny admission to see my ward excepting to persons who brought cards of invitation he did it in a proper manner and no offence could be taken though i was always particular to send an invitation immediately to such as had not been admitted during our first week in london the hon edward everett the american minister to whom i had letters of introduction called and was highly pleased with his diminutive though renowned countrymen we dined with him the next day by invitation and his family loaded the young american with presents mr everett kindly promised to use influence at the palace in person with a view to having tom thumb introduced to her majesty queen victoria a few evenings afterwards the baroness rothschild sent her carriage for us her mansion is a noble structure in piccadilly surrounded by a high wall through the gate of which our carriage was driven and brought up in front of the main entrance here we were received by half a dozen servants and were ushered up the broad flight of marble stairs to the drawing-room where we met the baroness and a party of twenty or more ladies and gentlemen in this sumptuous mansion of the richest banker in the world we spent about two hours and when we took our leave a well-filled purse was quietly slipped into my hand the golden shower had begun to fall and that it was no dream was manifest from the fact that very shortly afterwards a visit to the mansion of mr drummond another eminent banker came to the same golden conclusion i now engaged the egyptian hall in piccadilly 
and the announcement of my unique exhibition was promptly answered by a rush of visitors in which the wealth and fashion of london were liberally represented i made these arrangements because i had little hope of being soon brought to the queen's presence for the reason before mentioned but mr everett's generous influence secured my object i breakfasted at his house one morning by invitation in company with mr charles murray an author of creditable repute who held the office of master of the queen's household in the course of conversation mr murray inquired as to my plans and i informed him that i intended going to the continent shortly though i should be glad to remain if the general could have an interview with the queen adding that such an event would be of great consequence to me mr murray kindly offered his good offices in the case and the next day one of the lifeguards a tall noble-looking fellow bedecked as became his station brought me a note conveying the queen's invitation to general tom thumb and his guardian mr barnum to appear at buckingham palace on an evening specified special instructions were the same day orally given me by mr murray by her majesty's command to suffer the general to appear before her as he would appear anywhere else without any training in the use of the titles of royalty as the queen desired to see him act naturally and without restraint determined to make the most of the occasion i put a placard on the door of the egyptian hall closed this evening general tom thumb being at buckingham palace by command of her majesty on arriving at the palace the lord-in-waiting put me under drill as to the manner and form in which i should conduct myself in the presence of royalty i was to answer all questions by her majesty through him and in no event to speak directly to the queen in leaving the royal presence i was to back out keeping my face always towards her majesty and the illustrious lord kindly gave me a specimen of that sort of backward locomotion how far i profited by his instructions and example will presently appear we were conducted through a long corridor to a broad flight of marble steps which led to the queen's magnificent picture gallery where her majesty and prince albert the duchess of kent and twenty or thirty of the nobility were awaiting our arrival they were standing at the farther end of the room when the doors were thrown open and the general walked in looking like a wax doll gifted with the power of locomotion surprise and pleasure were depicted on the countenances of the royal circle at beholding this remarkable specimen of humanity so much smaller than they had evidently expected to find him the general advanced with a firm step and as he came within hailing distance made a very graceful bow and exclaimed good evening ladies and gentlemen a burst of laughter followed this salutation the queen then took him by the hand led him about the gallery and asked him many questions the answers to which kept the party in an uninterrupted strain of merriment the general familiarly informed the queen that the picture gallery was first-rate and told her that he should like to see the prince of wales the queen replied that the prince had retired to rest but that he should see him on some future occasion the general then gave his songs dances and imitations and after a conversation with prince albert and all present which continued for more than an hour we were permitted to depart before describing the process and incidents of backing out i must acknowledge how sadly i broke through the counsel of the lord-in-waiting while prince albert and others were engaged with the general the queen was gathering information from me in regard to his history etc two or three questions were put and answered through the process indicated in my drill 
it was a roundabout way of doing business not at all to my liking and i suppose the lord-in-waiting was seriously shocked if not outraged when i entered directly into conversation with her majesty she however seemed not disposed to check my boldness for she immediately spoke directly to me in obtaining the information which she sought i felt entirely at ease in her presence and could not avoid contrasting her sensible and amiable manners with the stiffness and formality of upstart gentility at home or abroad the queen was modestly attired in plain black and wore no ornaments indeed surrounded as she was by ladies arrayed in the highest style of magnificence their dresses sparkling with diamonds she was the last person whom a stranger would have pointed out in that circle as the queen of england the lord-in-waiting was perhaps mollified toward me when he saw me following his illustrious example in retiring from the royal presence he was accustomed to the process and therefore was able to keep somewhat ahead or rather aback of me but even i stepped rather fast for the other member of the retiring party we had a considerable distance to travel in that long gallery before reaching the door and whenever the general found he was losing ground he turned around and ran a few steps then resumed the position of backing out then turned around and ran and so continued to alternate his methods of getting to the door until the gallery fairly rang with the merriment of the royal spectators it was really one of the richest scenes i ever saw running under the circumstances was an offence sufficiently heinous to incite the indignation of the queen's favourite poodle-dog and he vented his displeasure by barking so sharply as to startle the general from his propriety he however recovered immediately and with his little cane commenced an attack on the poodle and a funny fight ensued which renewed and increased the merriment of the royal party this was near the door of exit we had scarcely passed into the ante-room when one of the queen's attendants came to us with the expressed hope of her majesty that the general had sustained no damage to which the lord-in-waiting playfully added that in case of injury to so renowned a personage he should fear a declaration of war by the united states the courtesies of the palace were not yet exhausted for we were escorted to an apartment in which refreshments had been provided for us we did ample justice to the viands though my mind was rather looking into the future rather than enjoying the present i was anxious that the court journal of the ensuing day should contain more than a mere line in relation to the general's interview with the queen and on inquiry i learned that the gentleman who had charge of that feature in the daily papers was then in the palace he was sent for by my solicitation and promptly acceded to my request for such a notice as would attract attention he even generously desired me to give him an outline of what i sought and i was pleased to see afterwards that he had inserted my notice verbatim this notice of my visit to the queen wonderfully increased the attraction of my exhibition and compelled me to obtain a more commodious hall for my exhibition i accordingly removed to the larger room in the same building for some time previously occupied by our countryman mr catlin for his great gallery of portraits of american indians and indian curiosities all of which remained as an adornment on our second visit to the queen we were received in what is called the yellow drawing-room a magnificent apartment surpassing in splendour and gorgeousness anything of the kind that i had ever seen it is on the north side of the gallery and is entered from that apartment 
it was hung with drapery of rich yellow satin damask the couches sofas and chairs being covered with the same material the vases urns and ornaments were all of modern patterns and the most exquisite workmanship the room was panelled in gold and the heavy cornices beautifully carved and gilt the tables pianos etc were mounted with gold inlaid with pearl of various hues and of the most elegant designs we were ushered into this gorgeous drawing-room before the queen and royal circle had left the dining-room and as they approached the general bowed respectfully and remarked to her majesty that he had seen her before adding i think this is a prettier room than the picture gallery that chandelier is very fine the queen smilingly took him by the hand and said she hoped he was very well yes ma'am he replied i am first-rate general continued the queen this is the prince of wales how are you prince said the general shaking him by the hand and then standing beside the prince he remarked the prince is taller than i am but i feel as big as anybody upon which he strutted up and down the room as proud as a peacock amid shouts of laughter from all present the queen then introduced the princess royal and the general immediately led her to his elegant little sofa which we took with us and with much politeness sat himself down beside her then rising from his seat he went through his various performances and the queen handed him an elegant and costly souvenir which had been expressly made for him by her order for which he told her he was very much obliged and would keep it as long as he lived the queen of the belgians daughter of louis philippe was present on this occasion she asked the general where he was going when he left london to paris he replied whom do you expect to see there she continued of course all expected he would answer the king of the french but the little fellow replied i shall see monsieur guillardeau in paris the two queens looked inquiringly to me and when i informed them that monsieur guillardeau was my french naturalist who had preceded me to paris they laughed most heartily on our third visit to buckingham palace leopold king of the belgians was also present he was highly pleased and asked a multitude of questions queen victoria desired the general to sing a song and asked him what song he preferred to sing yankee doodle was the prompt reply the answer was as unexpected to me as it was to the royal party when the merriment it occasioned somewhat subsided the queen good-humouredly remarked that is a very pretty song general sing it if you please the general complied and soon afterwards we retired i ought to add that after each of our three visits to buckingham palace a very handsome sum was sent to me of course by the queen's command this however was the smallest part of the advantage derived from these interviews as will be at once apparent to all who consider the force of court example in england the british public were now fairly excited not to have seen general tom thumb was decidedly unfashionable and from march twentieth until july twentieth the levies of the little general at egyptian hall were continually crowded the receipts averaging during the whole period about five hundred dollars per day and sometimes going considerably beyond that sum at the fashionable hour between fifty and sixty carriages of the nobility have been counted at one time standing in front of our exhibition rooms in piccadilly portraits of the little general were published in all the pictorial papers of the time 
polkas and quadrilles were named after him and songs were sung in his praise he was an almost constant theme for the london punch which served up the general and myself so daintily that it no doubt added vastly to our receipts besides his three public performances per day the little general attended from three to four private parties per week for which we were paid eight to ten guineas each frequently we would visit two parties in the same evening and the demand in that line was much greater than the supply the queen dowager adelaide requested the general's attendance at marlborough house one afternoon he went in his court dress consisting of a richly embroidered brown silk velvet coat and short breeches white satin vest with fancy colored embroidery white silk stockings and pumps wig bag wig cocked hat and a dress sword why general said the queen dowager i think you look very smart to-day i guess i do said the general complacently a large party of the nobility were present the old duke of cambridge offered the little general a pinch of snuff which he declined the general sang his songs performed his dances and cracked his jokes to the great amusement and delight of the distinguished circle of visitors dear little general said the kind-hearted queen taking him upon her lap i see you have got no watch will you permit me to present you with a watch and chain i would like them very much replied the general his eyes glistening with joy as he spoke i will have them made expressly for you responded the queen dowager and at the same moment she called a friend and desired him to see that the proper order was executed a few weeks thereafter we were called again to marlborough house a number of the children of the nobility were present as well as some of their parents after passing a few compliments to the general queen adelaide presented him with a beautiful little gold watch placing the chain around his neck with her own hands the little fellow was delighted and scarcely knew how sufficiently to express his thanks the good queen gave him some excellent advice in regard to his morals which he strictly promised to obey after giving his performances we withdrew from the royal presence and the elegant little watch presented by the hands of her majesty the queen dowager was not only duly heralded but was also placed upon a pedestal in the hall of exhibition together with the presents from queen victoria and covered with a glass vase these presents to which were soon added an elegant gold snuff-box mounted with turquoise presented by his grace the duke of devonshire and many other costly gifts of the nobility and gentry added greatly to the attractions of the exhibition the duke of wellington called frequently to see the little general at his public levies the first time he called the general was personating napoleon bonaparte marching up and down the platform and apparently taking snuff in deep meditation he was dressed in the well-known uniform of the emperor i introduced him to the iron duke who inquired the subject of his meditations i was thinking of the loss of the battle of waterloo was the little general's immediate reply this display of wit was chronicled throughout the country and was of itself worth thousands of pounds to the exhibition while we were in london the emperor nicholas of russia visited queen victoria and i saw him on several public occasions i was present at the grand review of troops in windsor park in honour of and before the emperor of russia and the king of saxony general tom thumb had visited the king of saxony and also ibrahim pasha who was then in london at the different parties we attended we met in the course of the season 
nearly all of the nobility i do not believe that a single nobleman in england failed to see general tom thumb at his own house at the house of a friend or at the public levies at egyptian hall the general was a decided pet with some of the first personages in the land among whom may be mentioned sir robert and lady peel the duke and duchess of buckingham duke of bedford duke of devonshire count orsay lady blessington daniel o'connor lord adolphus fitzclarence lord chesterfield mr and mrs joshua bates of the firm of baring brothers and company and many other persons of distinction we had the free entree to all the theatres public gardens and places of entertainment and frequently met the principal artists editors poets and authors of the country albert smith was a particular friend of mine he wrote a play for the general entitled hop o my thumb which was presented with great success at the lyceum theatre london and in several of the provincial theatres our visit in london and tour throughout the provinces were enormously successful and after a brilliant season in great britain i made preparations to take the general to paris End of chapter 11